Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. Continuing with the theme of our previous couple of podcasts, we're going to be talking today to one of the keynote speakers at the CAA annual conference in Canberra. And today we have a terrific speaker who I'm sure you're going to enjoy. I'm talking about uh, Professor Jan Hartvigsen. Now, uh, Jan is a chiropractor PhD, and he heads up the largest and most productive chiropractic research group in the world at the University of Southern Denmark, where he is full professor. He also holds a senior research position at the Nordic Institute of Chiropractic and Clinical Biomechanics. Jan is engaged in large multidisciplinary research projects in global networks, and he has published in a range of leading chiropractic and medical journals. And how's this? In 2016, he was rated the world's leading expert in musculoskeletal pain by expertscape.com. Hi, Jan, and welcome to the CA Podcast. Hi, Anthony. Glad to be here. So great to, uh, to have you from the, uh, the other side of the world. Now, just uh, give me a little <laughs> bit of background of your story. You're, you're a Palmer graduate in the USA uh, originally. So, so how did a Dane end up in Davenport and uh, what were your early chiropractic experiences like? Well, I was born and raised in a, in a small town here in Denmark and, and there was a, a local chiropractor in that town and my family used to go to, the, to, to him whenever we had, you know, back pain or headaches or different health issues. So, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I looked at him and said, well, I could do that. And he was very well respected in town and it seemed to be a, a good career. So I went and talked to him and he said, if you want to be a real chiropractor, you have to go to Palmer College. So that's why I, uh, I decided to, uh, to go to Palmer College in the United States. And at the time, <clears throat> you could not uh, become a chiropractor in Denmark. We didn't have an education here, which we do now. You certainly do now. And in fact, um, it wasn't long after you returned back to, to Denmark that you started pursuing your PhD and indeed setting up a chiropractic school. Tell us about um, about that process. Yes, uh, I was um, I, I was uh, fortunate, if you will, to be at the right place at the right time, meaning that when I had returned from the United States, uh, discussions were already ongoing with uh, Danish National Health Insurance and with the University of Southern Denmark about further integration of chiropractors into the Danish healthcare system. And the uh, health insurance was quite, was in insisting on then to have a national education here so that people were educated to, to function within the Danish healthcare system. And the University of Southern Denmark was, was interested in, in setting up such an education. And I very quickly became involved in these uh, discussions and went to many meetings. I, I have a habit of sometimes opening my mouth and you know how that goes, then yes. you become involved. <laughs> um, so that went on for a couple of years. Um, uh, and uh, in 1994, 
we were able to open the education here in Denmark and, and take in the first cohort of students. And um, at the time, I was still living in Copenhagen and not in Odense, where our university is. It's about an hour and a half, two hours away from Copenhagen. Um, and um, and the dean of the faculty, I, I kind of thought my role was over then, but the dean of the of the faculty of health uh, approached me and said, listen, I, I would like you to be maybe more involved in the education, but if you want a future in academia, you absolutely have to do a PhD. Um, and uh, I would like to support you. Uh, so he supported me financially and, and very important also politically and, and, and professionally. And the chiropractors came with some support. So I, um, so, so I looked my wife in the eye and said, I, I think we should sell our clinic here in Copenhagen and move to Odense because I, I think I, I would like to, to do a PhD and become more involved in, in setting up the education and and the research program. So she looked me in the back in the eye and said, is this really what you want to do? <laughs> and I said, yes. So we sold our clinic and moved with our two small children. And, um, and this was in 1996, so over 20 years ago. Wow. Um, so a lot of things have happened since then, but that was really how I became involved in this. And... Uh, and how it started. I could I could tell you many stories about the early days, but this is this is how I became involved. Well, I guess it's it's uh, your little story that you've just shared with our listeners. There really goes to the uh, to the heart of you know following your passion and having the right people to mentor and support you. Because it would have been a brave decision to give up what no doubt would have been a a lucrative and successful private practice to actually make the jump into research to move into another town and to move a young family. That was, uh, I'm sure it was an exciting time, but it was also probably a, um, a, a nervous time in terms of understanding how it would all fall together. Yeah, you know, we, uh, uh, I, I became a chiropractor in 1989. So, uh, I mean, we'd spent some years building a practice and we had a very comfortable life. So it was really a big decision. Uh, look, Looking back, though, it, it was the right decision, but, but at the time, we just couldn't know that. The, uh, the education program was still very new, and uh, there really wasn't any research to speak of. That later became my job to, uh, to build a research group here at the university. But, uh, but, but, but uh, we, sometimes in life, you know, you, you have to take a chance and, 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 um, and, and, and take, you know, Take the leap, and um, and usually, uh, if you have the right people around you, as you say, if you if you're willing to work hard, and and if you have the support, uh, good things happen. Before we get into too much detail about your some of the research networks that you've uh, put together, I, I want to understand a little bit more about how things work at the University of Southern Denmark. I, I get the feeling that um, a student's experience going through that school uh, might be uh, different to uh, Palmer or indeed many of the institutions in Australia. Well, I, I can I can speak from my own experience at Palmer, and I can say that the the experience that students have here is is vastly different. Uh, first of all, um, the first we our education here is a five year program, and the first three years is completely integrated with the medical program. So it means that 
the chiropractic students are together with the medical students 85% of their time in the first three years. Uh, so they sit in the same classroom, they take the same exams, they are just study bodies across professions. And, and it, it, I mean, from a university perspective, it's very efficient because you, you, can, you don't have to, to make two different classes in anatomy or physiology or biochemistry. I mean, anatomy is anatomy. There's not a chiropractic anatomy and a medical anatomy. And there's only one anatomy. So it, it makes sense to do that. Um, and also, um, it uh, I think it, it fosters uh, uh, cross pollination or or collaboration and very interesting discussions and also sometimes conflicts very early on for the students, um, which uh, I think is a good thing. Uh, and some of them, you know, even become. Uh, become boy and girlfriend and get married and have children. So that's another side effect, but but it, 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 it just uh, opens the eyes of our students very early on to the greater healthcare system. Yes. And that chiropractic is not an island in the healthcare system. Absolutely. It's actually part of the healthcare team for many patients. And it's important to understand other healthcare professions mm. and to be in a continued dialogue with other healthcare professions. And they actually practice that in school while they study. Um, and then also the clinical training of the students uh, is very, very different because at Palmer we had an outpatient student clinic where people came in from the community and had treatments. Uh, and many times it was a very big clinic. Many times the patients we saw were, you know, just our friends from town or our landlord or our neighbors that really weren't necessarily very sick. Yes. <laughs> but they came in because we had to meet certain uh, certain numbers in order to pass our classes. Uh, our clinical training is based on uh, that the students have to see a certain case mix. Uh, in their clinical training. So it's not about numbers, it's about quality, if you will, of the right. patients they see. So they do most clinical training in a multidisciplinary uh, outpatient spine center where uh, patients are referred from chiropractors or uh, family physicians in the community. It means that these patients have already been seeing a primary healthcare provider, for example, a chiropractor, and really have not gotten better. Uh, so they, they see the more complicated patients, which, uh, which who, who, who may need, you know, further diagnostic testing, imaging, laboratory testing, and the students are very involved in that and many times responsible for that. Or there are uh, quite um, challenging and severe psychological or social issues like yes. work disability or uh, depression or other comorbidities in these patients and the students are involved in managing that so so looking at that I, I can see they have a completely different uh, clinical training experience than I had at Palmer and that I think is the case many places in Australia I, I don't know the, the details about the Australian educations but that's my impression uh, so both from the preclinical training where they interact with other healthcare professions but certainly also in the clinical training where they 
also importantly interact with other healthcare professions and then see patients who are actually quite challenging. I think that um, that collaboration and interaction and understanding of how chiropractic fits, fits into the bigger picture of health is uh, really, really important and uh, goes to the maturing, I think, of a profession uh, when uh, you can collaborate with others and, and obviously a great opportunity to do that in uh, environments like uh, what you have in Denmark. Has that kind of those relationships, whether they end up being marital or just uh, getting to know uh, the, the, uh, the, the students um, that, are, that are medical and as well as chiropractic, do you, has that um, changed the way that chiropractic is utilised in, in Denmark? Um, is the patient experience then different or are the utilisation rates of chiropractic services in Denmark different to other countries in the world? Um, that's a, an excellent question and over the years I would say it has changed chiropractic practice in Denmark dramatically. Uh, first of all, uh, chiropractors have been given by the National Health Insurance because they've been very pleased with what they've seen here at the university in the education and also in the research program. They have given the chiropractors more responsibility in their practice and a good example of that is that um, uh, if you have uh, radiculopathy or lumbar disc herniation, now uh, we have a, a uh, disc herniation package for patients that is almost entirely funded by the national health insurance, meaning that there's very, very little out-of-pocket expense for the patient. So what this is, is that the patient uh, is encouraged to see a chiropractor instead of their GP. Right. Uh, and that the chiropractor is then then has an obligation to do certain things to the patients at certain time points in the in the course of this condition and uh, and report back to the GP about progress and, and, and different things um, so so we see in, in this package for instance that chiropractors are actually um, functioning as gatekeeper in the uh, uh, national healthcare system for this type of patients. There's also now a spinal stenosis package and we are, and the, the chiropractors and the health insurance are working to generate more of these um, care packages for patients with uh, more spe specific conditions that the chiropractors are then completely responsible for. So that, I, I think that, that that's, that's a big change from when I uh, practiced uh, many years ago now, where it's more or less a you know, a fee for service, one treatment, one payment, and and then you may, and and um, and, and and from now now that we have these uh, care packages, and that has affected utilization rates uh, quite dramatically. Um, we've seen uh, the number of uh, patients who see chiropractors have increased dramatically over the, especially the past five years, and we can track that. Uh, very precisely because uh, for every time a, a patient sees a chiropractor, uh, there is some reimbursement from the national health insurance and they can actually go into their databases and see how many unique patients uh, see chiropractors. And almost month by month, there is uh, a new record for patients seeing chiropractors. I mean, it may, it may only be a few hundred patients, uh, but, uh, but still uh, it's been going up uh, month by month over the past five years. So. I think both in terms of cultural authority, in terms of integration, and in terms of numbers of patients, 
there's been a, a tremendous change and we cannot actually meet the demand for new chiropractors from the university. The chiropractors come to the university uh, to contact the students and try to offer them jobs while right. they're still students wow. <laughs> because they need more chiropractors, uh, which I think is a fantastic development and it's great for the university and it's great for the students. Now, Jan, um, all the questions I reckon have been pretty uh, simple and easy so far. I'm going to throw you a curly one, if you don't mind. Many chiropractors were originally attracted to the profession because of its, I guess, roots in a vital, vitalistic model of health. Uh, and I think some might not be as comfortable uh, with um, sort of, I guess, the closer relationships um, with the medical model um, as maybe you or, or I might. How do you reconcile uh, this, um, I guess, the vitalistic model with the modern day sort of evidence-based approach? And, and further to that, how do, we how do we define chiropractic? What is our identity and how should we promote ourselves to the public and other stakeholders? Well, well these are awfully big questions. <laughs> it wasn't going to be an easy I, one. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, no, um, and and this is something I, I think we'll be uh, talking about and discussing for many years to come. But um, um, for me, um, I, I, for me, it has always been about uh, providing the best service for the patients. Yes, and if we believe, and I think both of us do, that chiropractic has something to offer to patients and to society and to the public. I think chiropractors should place themselves in the best position uh, to, 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 to give their services to, to the people who need them. Mm. And today, that is all about integration and evidence. Yep. Uh, if you... Um, if you do not um, subscribe to an evidence-based <laughs> persuasion or way of practicing, um, I think you can have a very comfortable life, but you are a niche profession yes. that is not considered uh, to be relevant for mainstream healthcare. Mm. Uh, and I think chiropractors should be relevant in society, should access uh, the majority of uh, people who can benefit from their care, um, and 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 this the evidence-based language and the evidence-based approach—it's simply the way society functions today, and it it didn't used to be that way. No. Uh, when I became a practitioner in the late eighties, uh, 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 the evidence-based medicine movement wasn't even invented yet. Mm. Uh, in, the, the, the key papers and books about evidence-based care came out in the 90s. Uh, so this has been a big change in healthcare. And I, I think we see other healthcare professions having embraced the evidence-based approach uh, and benefiting from that. And I just think chiropractors have been a bit slow to, to change and adapt to a changing healthcare environment and, and, and a changing society, really. Um, but I see very encouraging examples from around the world, and 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 I, I see the example here in Denmark as a good one. And um, I, I I just think if you want to reach 
more people be relevant in society. It's really not a choice. This is the way things are going. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. I, I know in, in Australia, and I, and I, and I, I, I that answers the question. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Look, I think is with a question like that. I guess, as you said, we could go on for uh, hours, months, even years uh, debating it. But uh, but I think you've uh, succinctly. And, and, your... and really, and really, if I may add, um, the evidence is, as we see it in in musculoskeletal conditions, at least, is pointing very strongly towards the therapies or interventions or approaches that chiropractors have as very good approaches. Yes. I mean, we see many studies coming out. Uh, we see practically all new guidelines from many countries recommending against pharmacological treatment of spine pain or musculoskeletal um, disorders. Uh, we see recommendations against surgery, against these high-tech invasive procedures, and we see guidelines recommending interacting with the patients about how they should live their everyday life, be physically active, about exercise, and many guidelines recommend manual therapy that includes spinal manipulation. Uh, and these are exactly the therapies that many chiropractors provide. So, so I think by not embracing that and and telling the public that they do something different than that, chiropractors are just shooting themselves in the foot uh, because they actually, the, the evidence is pointing towards what chiropractors do as a very good approach to the conditions that chiropractors treat. Indeed. So it, to me, it's a no-brainer. Uh <laughs> Moving on from there, you're uh, very, uh, very much a significant player in a collaborative research group called the Centre for Muscle and Joint Health. Can you tell our uh, podcast listeners a little bit more about that? Yes, we have, um, because of the success uh, of our spine pain research group, the university here decided to invest more in musculoskeletal research. So we attracted some very competent professionals professors from physiotherapy and uh, and um, and exercise physiology to the to the university and they have built very, very strong research groups in osteoarthritis and uh, in uh, physical activity and general health and um, over the years we've been working together and we've found out that we have so much in common that we together now have formed the center for muscle and joint health where uh, we are around 50 researchers um, working uh, together across this across disciplines and uh, really trying to learn from each other in, in many different ways in the way we approach um, healthcare but also from a uh, research methodological point of view what it has helped us to do is to uh, have a stronger voice internally at the university uh, and it has also helped us to profile ourselves together. Um, uh, sometimes uh, in Denmark we have been seen as the physiotherapy research group and the chiropractic research group and the this research group or that research group. And here we are really able to profile ourselves as um, muscle and joint researchers who work together to come up with answers 
answers to the important questions for patients, regardless of professional background. And that's really why we generated this center. And it's also been a good vehicle for generating funding for research projects. Now, speaking of funding for research projects, you, you sort of did touch a little bit on this uh, earlier, but um, can you explain that the model that Denmark uses to fund research? I understand a percentage of all chiropractic fees um, uh, automatically go back to research uh, foundations of some sort. Yes, as part of the contract that the Danish chiropractors have with the national health insurance, a small, small percentage of that reimbursement is being held back by the health insurance and it goes into a research fund that is uh, administered by the health insurance and it's uh, actually a fairly significant amount of money we raise about i mean we are around 750 chiropractors in the country denmark is a very small country unlike australia and they generate around five million australian dollars every year for research oh, that's fantastic so it's a it's a lot of money and it has really been it's been very important uh, for us, as you can imagine, over the years in, um, in growing as a group and, um, and in, um, in, uh, as, a, as a foundation for, for our success. And I think even though some chiropractors complain, of course, sometimes they'd rather keep the money themselves. Um, I think most are happy with it. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know how chiropractors are. It's, and it's, how, it's, how people are. But, but importantly, for every $2 that the chiropractors give, the national health insurance contribute with one additional dollar. So it's a partnership yes. whereby uh, the investment from the chiropractors is actually uh, augmented, if you will, by the health insurance. It doesn't sound like a bad deal to me at all. Jan, thank you so much uh, for your time today. You've done some great work uh, for the profession and I really appreciate you uh, making time uh, to speak with our CA podcast today. Well, thank you for taking the time. And uh, that's pretty much it for me. Thanks for listening. Go forward with passion and purpose and look forward to chatting with you again on our next CAA podcast. Mm -hmm.